Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ugly Ducklings podcast with your hosts Rashida and Bryce. Today we are back to discuss really the roots of our podcast and reason for being and kind of dive deeper into being ugly ducklings. Yes. This, so this is going to be a very vulnerable episode, which we love to talk about those types of things on here. So ugly duckling, right? Okay, where, where, what, what angle am I going to hit this from? So I feel like I knew that I was the ugly duckling. Maybe, I want to say definitely in middle school for sure, right? So for those of you who don't, no, um, I think I've expressed this in season one earlier. I was the kid who hung out with some, I would say, semi-popular kids in middle school. I mean, granted, it was only like, what, 200 kids uh, in our grade, maybe 100 kids in our grade. And at some point, they turned on me, right? So after that, definitely messed with my self-esteem. And as I kind of filtered my way into a new group of friends it was like I want to say in high school it was three of us we were like a dynamic trio right or a triple threat trio whatever yeah. the word I'm trying to say right <laughs> but I will say out of the three of us I was the one who I want to say got the least amount of play but I was the one who was just like the nice friend but never really desired yeah and part of the reason was that you know we always say go where, go where you're loved right but I was not in tune with my sexuality at the time so where I was trying to shoot my shot at the the women or the young women that I was in high school with definitely saw right through that shit right so I wasn't getting any <laughs> type of play on top of I definitely had some self-esteem issues that transferred over from middle school in a sense that I kind of dimmed my own light like creative wise school wise too I felt like I could have really focused more on my studies but instead I was up late at night talking on the phone with people who didn't necessarily value me the same yeah so it's interesting. I would actually like to ask someone in high school what their perception of me was. Not to say that it actually matters or like it's really going to affect my self-esteem today, but just to see like who I thought I was or how I showed up in a room. Was it actually real? Yeah. I like how you thought about it. Um, I think I knew <laughs> I was an ugly duckling, but I think, let me see how I could put this. Cause I don't, ugly duckling almost assumes that you know you'll end up being a swan so mm. I think now it's easy for me to say yeah I was an ugly duckling but then I just thought I'm just not it right like I don't think I was really aware when you're a kid like in elementary school when you look in the mirror you're not like picking yourself apart mm. you just aren't you're like, that's what it is. That's what I look like. And like, you're fine with it. And fortunately I had positive affirmations like from my mom and dad. So I had no reason to question that. And I would say it wasn't until again, middle school um, where it really, I think got more where I was just like, oh, I'm, um, I'm an outcast or I am different. And people for whatever reason don't seem to gravitate or like me. Although I like me, 
you know, and so that was like a struggle because then, like you said, it has a huge effect on your self-esteem. Um, but I think by fifth, fourth, fifth grade, I started having issues where kids were not being nice and it wasn't really clear why. Um, and one thing I want to mention too, like why I thought last minute, like this could be a good topic for us to cover is because I had a heart to heart with a friend, like a newer friend that I'm making out here in California and mm-hmm. they were sharing some things about themselves and I had mentioned like that I had moved to a new apartment or whatever and they're like oh like why didn't you share this right um and there was some other things that like had happened or like updates in my life that I hadn't shared with this particular friend so they're like well why haven't you shared all the like good things or positive things and now like in the podcast, it was hitting me like maybe the whole like being an outcast and people not ever really validating you when you did have wins subconsciously became something still to this day that I'm not as confident sharing when something positive happens. Because you got to remember when we were in middle school, at least for me, when I got a 98 on a test, it wasn't, oh, Rashida is doing the damn thing. It's like, oh, Rashida's being um, annoying because she's gloating about getting an A or you know having a really high Mm. score so then you learn subconsciously okay there's certain things that I need to not do to stay under the radar and to survive that's real yeah so I mean to my point we wear ourselves down right yes Um, that's interesting I you know we have to have a a good balance right because Sometimes when you overshare some things you want to do or some things you accomplish, you might have some individuals in your space that might kind of subconsciously put out negative energy your way, and then you might not get those things accomplished. So on one hand, I understand why you wouldn't share certain things, um, but this friend that questioned you asking why and you kind of having the self-awareness to kind of like go back, like, is this from childhood? I think it's pretty amazing, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't do it on the phone. Like in the moment, I was like, I don't know. Like I had a few instances in high school where I felt like when I was doing well, like some people didn't really, you know, appreciate that. But when I really sat with it a little bit longer, it's like this is actually stemming from much earlier in your in your like childhood. It's not actually from high school. Like that is part of the the answer, but it's not the full answer. The ugly duckling dilemma. So many people, I think, are walking around like that. And I think the sadder part about it is that some of these people that maybe listen to our podcast don't realize that they are already the beautiful swan. They still think that they are less than and not worthy, whether that's of the promotion um, of actual, like, healthy reciprocated love. Like, it's just so many facets of it that it carries into that you're not aware of, but I was like, I just wanted us to get back to it because I was like, you know, in our first season, we spoke so much about just how that felt and trying to pull yourself out of that and getting out of this routine of negative self-talk because when you're that young and impressionable, when someone tells you you're ugly and another kid tells you you're ugly and another kid tells you you're ugly or you're stupid or something like that, it starts to stick with you and you start to believe those things, although they may not be true. And honestly, Nine times out of 10, they are not true. Right. 100% valid. And, oh my gosh, it just hit me. So thinking about what you said in, in terms of what we were previously saying um, about like the friend confronting you about 
you not sharing something that happened in your life. I remember when you lived in Philly one time, I don't know if you remember this, I think you ran like maybe your first 5K and you like just did it, but you didn't tell me. And I was like, well, Rashida, why didn't you tell me? And then you said, because I didn't think you would come or not me specifically, or I didn't think anybody would come. So I didn't think it was going to be that important to you. And I was like, well, you're my best friend. Of course I would show up for you. So I think like that, yeah, that definitely goes back maybe to your childhood. That's deep. <laughs> yeah, it can be. I mean, it's just like, you can unpack so many things about yourself. And we had a podcast. I was listening to one of our older podcasts from season mm-hmm. one. And also why I guess this is all on my mind of the whole, the, the classes of popularity. And so in that particular podcast, we were kind of going off of your um, archetypes, which were like the kid who has resources, the overnight celebrity, the star athlete. And there was one more. I have a friend who, um, you know, is really struggling currently with being anxious and having bad, in their opinion, they have bad social anxiety. And reaching out to me, essentially sharing, like, they want to be included. And so then kind of in some instances when they aren't, they're upset about it to some degree. But then they also don't want to be included because they're anxious. And they Mm. feel like people are going to receive them poorly or not get their humor or get their point of view or judge them physically. And so it ends up being kind of, I think, a self-fulfilling prophecy or a hard cycle to break because... I want you to include me, but then I also don't want you to include me because I feel like these things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, well, which one do you want? And so he's like, in order to break yourself out of it, I'm always like, you should still do this. You should still go out or you should still try this event. But I think yet again, that person still is in this really vicious cycle. And who knows, I would have to really speak to this particular friend and ask more about his childhood to see if there were parts of it where he had that ugly duckling kind of experience. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Like, do you think they were ugly duckling when they were younger? I think I know who you're talking about. If it is that person, I have picked up on some cues that they've said in the past from just our interactions. Like, oh, like Bryce, I wouldn't think that you would like even be cool with someone like me, which means that like, a, they might have a lower, you know, self-esteem or their confidence level was low in that conversation, or B, they have their own preconceived notions about who I am, and they kind of have like mashed that together and have kind of created this situation from yes. just that conversation. And it's like, uh, I think I was like, well, no, why wouldn't I? I mean, you haven't given me a reason to like not like you unless I shouldn't like you. Like, is that like what is that like? <laughs> can be self-fulfilling um the way that anxiety depression as well can all come into this because of that experience and my guess again I need to really ask them explicitly the question of how would you describe middle school or high school um because when I've talked to them about it casually they don't ever really mention anything like dramatic that happened to them socially however it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't mean they still didn't feel a certain way or a lot of times kind of that person who isn't necessarily teased, but you're just there, right? Like, I don't even know if that's worse. Being teased and getting all this negative attention in that way or not necessarily being teased, but being forgotten. As as a high school student, I don't know 
like where people really want to fall because there's that too where people feel invisible and want to be seen they want people to know their name mm. not even know the name just know that know that they exist like if you walk past them like someone would just acknowledge them and say hi yes and people take those things for granted sometimes like everyone's not seen when they walk into a room i don't know why but it happens and especially if those same uh children or teenagers or kids aren't seen at home either so yes yeah it's sad because a lot of students aren't i was a a tutor in high school whoa (laughs) i was a tutor not for not for the kids in my school i went to this like place it was called henry street well it not was i think they're still there henry street settlement in lower east side manhattan and i would go there and help the kids were anywhere between like second grade to about eighth grade so they would come for after school and then you would help them with their homework and the goal for us it was me and like an an actual adult (laughs) there and we would help them with their homework and then after that they would get to like play basketball or like just some type of like recess type of activity And unfortunately, a lot of those kids, like when you would see them get picked up, those parents are so worn out from work or whatever else going on. You could tell that the most attention those kids get was in that after school situation Mm. because they're in a school system already where it's overcrowded and the teachers don't have enough time to like necessarily talk to them one on one or see what they have issues with. And then they go home. And I guess their parents got enough going on, too much going on to like they can't necessarily dedicate to making sure that their homework is done, that it's done right, or just meeting their needs for their child, like emotionally. So these kids are coming in there with attitudes, blowing up. And a lot of times it would come out because you're like showing more interest than they're used to. So right. they would do their homework and you would say, no, this isn't right. So let's go through it. Why isn't it right? Or, hey, we got to do these questions again. And it's like, why do I got to keep doing this? Like my teacher doesn't care. Nobody cares, you know, and they're saying it like that. It's so matter of fact. And like, to some degree, you could just assume, well, maybe that really is true. But then it's also, so they're like saying that because it's like, well, nobody cares. Why are you pressing me? Like you're annoying me. But then there's like the other aspect of this where they're probably really just like projecting, like they're mad that nobody notices. And then you, you know, so then they kind of like, all right, I'll just be lazy. I'll just get over this. And now someone is showing interest, but maybe not the person that they want. So now I'm also annoyed by that. Not this random 17-year-old girl wanting me to do my homework, right? Like, it should be my mom. It should be my dad. It should be, like, my older brother or sister. Right. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, perhaps they're not used to someone paying them attention. So they don't even know what that feels like. Yes. That ends up, to me, transitioning into people who end up being avoided. Mm, I can see that you know it, it can it can also be both ways right but I can see a clearer line there like I don't get attention nobody really pays me no mind so then when people do you might like it but then you may also still be very uncomfortable so then it's like whoa whoa this is too much and it may take right. like self like therapy and different things to be more aware of like why you feel that way or why you may be sometimes detached from people Mm-hmm. but i just feel like being an ugly duckling my my hypothesis is that my friend that i'm referring to also had an ugly duckling experience and as a result now has the social anxiety you and i it was like 
maybe a little bit different because I think not even knowing you as a kid, you were probably a very outgoing and bubbly person or child. Mm -hmm. And then kids want to take that from you. So then you maybe became more reserved when you really weren't reserved. Snatch. I mean, (laughs) it definitely affects me. Honestly, it also affects me at work. Like we can be in a a staff meeting and I just won't say anything. And I want to say something, but I just won't. Now, do you feel like that's anxiety? Um, In what way? Like, is it that you're afraid that they're going to have like maybe a problem with what you're saying or that they're just not actually going to acknowledge it? The latter. Okay. The latter. So like, sometimes I have to force myself to like provide my two cents here and there just so that I don't seem like I'm not contributing or I'm not paying attention. I'm very present. I just, sometimes I just don't know what to say in a meeting. So, but I think that definitely comes from childhood for sure. Okay. And more so with like other kids? Yeah. So like, I remember there were times like where I would be in class and I would try to like participate. And then like, I would say something and then someone would say, faggot. Oh so my then I was like, oh, it must be my voice or it must be how I said something. So then I just not going to speak. Yeah. Also, when something like that would happen, how would the teacher react? The teacher wasn't doing nothing. Because, like, honestly, I don't even recall a teacher ever standing up for me. Yeah. Ugh. So annoying, that too. Because, honestly, I know that I'm not a teacher. I know that you've been a teacher. Right. So you can maybe speak on this more. But it's still like, uh, at some point, you got to say something because you're the adult authority. So, like, I would like in a perfect world for teachers to check kids when they say crazy things like that. Like you don't know what they say in the hallways and stuff, but like in the actual classroom, when you disrupt um, like the lesson to put down another student, like that shit should be like addressed. It's kind of nuts that so many of them kind of just keep moving with the lesson plan. But I do feel like you do have to stand up for yourself. Like, and sometimes like I don't condone violence, like, I was watching College Hill recently with the whole Amber Rose Jocelyn fight. And I was just like, Amber shouldn't have put hands on her. But, I mean, Jocelyn was coming out her neck. Like, yeah, it was body. a lot. I'm not going to lie. Because the, like, the clip I saw, you know, she's like, well, yeah, because you need to address it or whatever. And then, you know, Amber said something like, I'm addressing it right now. But then mm-hmm. I feel like that moment, all of a sudden, she was like, oh, you really want me to address this? Because she, like, just calmly got up, walked over, and then they started fighting. It was just like, what is going on? But that's the thing. So as Amber was walking over, although maybe her intent, maybe her intent was to walk out that second time, because she walked out the first time. But when she got up, I forgot what Jocelyn said, but she said something on the lines of like white girl or like she said, kept saying something like antagonizing her. Yeah. I guess Amber lost it. And that happens. That's the thing. It does really yeah. happen. I can't, you know, sometimes people actually also need their ass beat. Cause I saw Jocelyn, my friend sent me a clip of her 
He told me, I think he said it was at some type of boxing match or whatever. Like, now this is backstage. Oh, her fighting last week, right? Yes. And I'm just like, girl, you can't be fighting everybody. You're too old. Like, and I don't even mean old, like she's like an older woman. I just mean, like, aren't you mature enough now that you can process anger differently? Why are we fighting? Right. It's, it's, so to speak on that, it's a very interesting, like, did you watch the whole season? No, I need to. I still wait. I gotta remember if I I gotta get your password or something so I can work. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic, and it plays right into the whole ugly ducklings thing, right? So on one hand, you have Jocelyn, who, in my opinion, based on her edit, was bullying people in the house, right? That's yes. the edit. I don't know exactly what happened, and I say that to say, for example, when she kicked the girl, the woman from who used to play the little girl on my wife and kids out of her own bedroom. And from that moment, Parker was afraid of her the entire season. Now people might say that could be because of colorism. It's very layered. It's very layered. Right. So Amber. Oh, and then when Amber, no, when Jocelyn made the comment about New York and her dog, about her dog passing away. And then like, why are you crying? That's just an animal. So there's just some cultural differences uh, with that. Yeah. So I say that to say that from the edit, the edit, that Jocelyn to me was a bully. The whole season, not just that incident with Amber. Now, Amber had her problems too because she came to an HBCU with some identity issues, right? Yeah. And then the whole like atheist piece with the religion, which teach his own right we all have our own religious beliefs but like when someone would say something about god well don't say that around me or i don't believe in it says just just let them have them like yeah just let them have their moment like you know like so to me amber and jocelyn were both kind of equally problematic just one was just a little higher than the other um but i'm saying all that to say when the fight happens it was almost like the person who got bullied snapped. And because Amber couldn't hold herself together and attack Jocelyn, it's like Amber is now as equally as wrong as Jocelyn, although Jocelyn is the one antagonizing her. Yes. But then they both, well, spoiler alert, they both got put off the show. So Amber was sad because Amber felt like I was antagonized and I was kind of forced to be in, in this situation to attack her. And then Jocelyn felt like, okay, although I might have antagonized her, we're all adults and no way, shape or form should I, anything I said could have forced her or made her want to hit me. And this is Jocelyn Hernandez saying that, right? The one who be punching the women on her own show. Yeah. Right. So I feel like it's very on brand with what we're discussing. So yeah, and I wonder too. Again, I mean, you can be an ugly duckling even in your adult. Like in terms of like, you can maybe experience some of the things we're talking about for the first time as an adult. But I feel like a lot of this ends up happening as children. And although those two women are very beautiful in their own right, they may have dealt with some of these different things of not being seen, not being valued, not having positive encouragement, and that sense of actual community and love and to me those are two women from my own personal opinion like yes they're very attractive and it it got them in the door with certain people 
but then they kind of made their brand themselves right like you got attached to some guy but they're still not but they're no longer attached to those men and have still somehow stayed relevant so that's why i say like yes they're pretty privileged helped them to some degree but they figured it out so they're kind of very like almost hyper independent like i'm gonna do this shit myself you ain't gonna tell me nothing and they're also from the streets so like if you say something crazy the way that i've always been taught to solve things is with violence right and i think like to your point they are legit their careers their startups are legit the same stripper Mm -hmm. turns wife turned whatever right but I think Jocelyn being a bully towards Amber came from a place of hurt from Jocelyn because from my understanding, Jocelyn growing up in a, which she's Puerto Rican, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Growing up in a uh, mixed Afro, white and indigenous household, she was always pinned as the black one in her family. Yeah. Although she might have two different colored parents, right? Then you have Amber on the other end of the spectrum who was bullied by both sides, white and black people. I'm not black enough, not white enough. Always being called a white girl in South Philly. Yeah. So we had those two dynamics. And when you put them together, an explosion. It's almost, you said it in um, one of those older episodes I was listening to. And and maybe last week's episode as well. I think actually last week's episode with P. Ryan we are mirrors and they're mirrors of each other in a weird exactly. way not quite but that's why they clash because they're kind of one in the same thing of course they still have very individual experiences and issues especially around color and all that and culture mm-hmm. um but it's kind of like you hate to the things you don't like about yourself when you see that in somebody else it's like you hate it even more which is sad versus kind of saying wow like Mammy be empathetic because they may be having the same insecurities and things that I have. And I think that's what happened to us. I believe when I really try to think back, I was this very bubbly kid, always happy-go-lucky, wanting to be friends with everybody and play in the streets, right? Like I want to play Power Rangers, freeze tag. That's really what I'm on. But for whatever reason, some kids, if and same thing for you, like some for some at some point, somebody just was like, I don't like that you're happy and I don't like that like you're loved or that you come to school like in a good mood. So I'm going to fuck with you. Mm -hmm. And then other people see that. And like, if you don't stand up for yourself, then it becomes this very vicious cycle because then other people are, oh, well, if she could talk to Bryce like that, then I can talk to Bryce like that. And then I can get clout and, you know, make myself look a little bit better in the pecking order of high school or middle school, whatever, by putting you down right that's valid i i remember one incident in general which was like really uncomfortable i don't think i ever talked about this i was at like the grocery store with my mom and this boy that i went to school with and his brother who was two years older than us they were in line in front of us right and then i just remember looking up and the brother of the guy that was in my grade he's like he like looks at me and then he's like making like sexual faces at me like yeah i know you want this little thing i'm like i mean in hindsight you're calling me out my name but you're the one doing all the sexual making the sexual faces at me right so it was almost like kind of like i'm going to put you down make you feel like your bottom 
like a bottom shelf person in front of your own mom and she doesn't realize what ha- what's happening because my mom is like you know she's putting the groceries on the conveyor belt like she's not really present right and then yeah. the boy's like making all these faces at me like yeah i know you want this little faggy and i'm like this is really weird yeah no that and is- then i think my mom figured out what was going on and then <laughs> i remember she told the boy in front of his mom she was like tell your son to mind his own fucking business like she straight said that <laughs> now in that moment my mom I, she definitely had my back but normally we couldn't talk about my identity or sexuality in the house like it was just too uncomfortable for uh the family to discuss but in that moment she definitely had my back but it was just like a weird experience mm-hmm. no that is because kids are like as I always say, kids are cruel and they just go out of their way. And I think some adults still grow up. We grow up and some of us still kind of apply that same logic, which is why then you get these characters on reality TV that we actually love to watch and comment on. But it's also like, I can't even imagine you at 12. You probably were a fucking terror. Like mm-hmm. you acting like this now and your brain's fully formed. What were you doing then? a whole terror a whole terror <laughs> like uh, have you ever experienced i wonder if some people who were ugly ducklings and then they became the terror as an adult whether it was through dating friendships or just anything maybe at their job yeah so actually i think that that happens a lot um i got <laughs> i went to a barbecue this past weekend for Ooh, you know and fresh tea my and we I don't know how we got on this topic and I'll bring it make it make sense so the question that one of us posed was if you were a guy for 24 hours what's the first thing you're doing and then we asked the men you know if you were a girl for 24 hours what is the first thing you're doing and I'm not gonna lie I said some very toxic future Drake shit I was like oh first thing I'm doing essentially was prey on that privilege of being a tall educated black male with no kids in a nice car i am going to thought and bop because men are allowed this privilege and of toxicity and so why i mentioned this is because i feel like sometimes you're like oh i'm an ugly duckling wow i finally getting noticed and people like me i'm going to be a fucking asshole because everybody was an asshole to me and so now i have the right and privilege based on everything that i've seen growing up because now I'm pretty or now I have resources or now I'm the star athlete, whatever. Now I'm going to be a dickhead because everyone allowed those people that were in those roles when I was not at that level to behave in that way. So why can't I now behave in that way? Right. Mm. It's now like two, two wrongs don't make a right, but that's what they're going to do. Now I'm interested. What did the guy say? So, um, <laughs> the, the guys said that they would go and run a checkup on the men. They would go and get mad free meals and, you know, just basically take a guy for a ride because it just kind of, and we were talking about how this makes you feel also like how we view the other side in terms of dating and relationships, because for them, the pussy is the currency to have men just buy everything. And then for me, it was like, I get the power now to do whatever I want with no repercussions as a man so like that's the way i internalize like oh i got 24 hours with the penis granted some of my other women friends that were there had much better answers one of them was like hey i'm going to um you know essentially like renegotiate 
my salary because I'll make more. It's like, no, that's smart. Or, oh, let me join a good old boys club so I can have more access to different things that we don't have access to as women. I'm like, these are smart, not really hurting anybody things. I'm out here talking about, yeah, I'm about to thaw. I'm about to be future out here. And we were joking and laughing about it, but it still was one of those things where I could see like a person who didn't have resources when you finally get the access to something, I think it takes a lot of uh, maturity to not end up being an asshole. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it speaks to your character, right? That's what we (laughs) always say. Like it says a lot about someone who, when they receive a lot of power, how they treat people who don't have as much power. Right. Um, I'm interested to see two segues. Um, I, see, I always, I like to fuck with people sometimes. I'm like, so if you're a man and you get to be a woman for a day and you're, you're, you're a straight man, right? We're assuming this. Yes. So are you fucking a man or are you fucking a woman? So this is why this is funny. So yeah, like in my story, although I am a straight woman, I'm still talking to women as a man. And then they were as straight men talking to men as a woman. So it was interesting. Only one of my friends was like, oh, no, I would still be fucking men. Um, And I literally was like, I think I will tell you, like, to be honest, my reasoning for all of this was more because I always want to see if the piss poor chat communication and effort is actually this. I can really get away with it this easily. Because Mm -hmm. from my vantage point as a woman, I feel like there's so many men who really are like, I'm six five i don't got kids i went to morehouse you not know, morehouse specifically i hate it here <laughs> i hate it now morehouse is like now how my name get involved i know oh, you know, like, my <laughs> like i went to tennessee state they like fuck you um <laughs> and you know i'm an omega or whatever right it's just like all these different things that people use to for men at least in my opinion use to kind of attract women and then mm. I see women fall, though, for these things, to be fair, that those things all on their own are like, oh, he went to college. Oh, he's tall. Oh, he used to play sports. Oh, this or that is enough. And so I'm like, if I was a man of my like with the same height um, and had like the same like stuff that I have today. So like I have a nice car or I have my own apartment or I have a decent job. Is that just that bare bones minimum? Is that enough for me? Like, hey, yo, what's good? You trying to come through? Like, I feel like it is, which is really why I want to be a, a guy in that scenario for a day and be on my future. Because I'm like, I really could be this disrespectful. And somehow women like me. I could not mm. do that as a woman. Hmm. Mm. That's it. That's real. But do, so then it brings up another conversation where, um, remember uh the movie dear white people like not the tv show but the movie and Mm -hmm. i can't remember the character's name but it's like the one who was the president of the university's son yes so remember when he was like sleeping with coco and then at the end when he doesn't want to talk to her anymore he's like you just like the idea of me you didn't really like me yes so with that concept because honestly i'm not I'm not the guy, like, everyone, I'm just putting this out there. I was not ever the guy who got play all the time, right? That's just never been me, period. So I wonder if some guys, do they ever feel like 
because they have this power that people don't actually really get to know who they are. And then they end up marrying people who don't really like them or they don't like them. Yes, 110%. I agree with that. And that is why I think it is really fucked up because it's like both sides. I, Mm. like I said, like, you know, disclaimer, I have no hate toward Morehouse or Tennessee. Don't be doing Morehouse Um, like that. But I I only bring it up because like, again, like I think, and I could even say like an Ivy League. Like I went to Harvard. I'm a black man. I went to Harvard. I work for a consulting company. I have a BMW. You know, I actually have my own condo along, you know, with a nice skyline of Chicago, whatever, right? And so those things in themselves have been ingrained for societal ways of working for women to think, ooh, I need a man like that. That seems like he has power, influence, and access. Mm-hmm. and he can protect me and, a resource yeah so i think it becomes more about that because you'll hear a woman say oh my god i'm guys i have a boyfriend or i'm dating and usually oh like what's his name or like what, what what's up with him and like honestly think about it most of the time one of the first questions women will ask is so what does he do mm. oh, he's, you know he's a doctor he's a lawyer he drives a night like those are the things you say you don't actually say his name is todd and he it's real, like I'm attracted to him, but he's also super nice and we love to go play badminton and we have this other thing in common. Like that's typically not the way people, even men talking about women, that's typically not the way we talk about or describe our partner. Mm, true. True, because people love to judge things based on what their perception of those things are. So if, yeah. if you said this great man that you met was a trash man but people don't realize trash men make a lot of money sure do that they still be like oh hey. yes mm-hmm. exactly and i think being an ugly duckling really helps with that perspective because i think mm. now i'm very inquisitive i think or wanting to ask the guys deeper questions because when you do meet the guy who on paper i guess could kind of fit some of these like things i'm describing it's like okay that's cool but like, what about you? Like, and then it's sometimes it can be hard for people to dig deep now and actually tell you about themselves because no one has actually ever asked them that. Mm. I just like that you are in a D9 org and you have a nice vehicle and you look good and you got mad followers on Instagram and your vibes. It's always vibes. And all my homegirls think you look good versus very me actually having a conversation and getting to know you. Just very superficial reasons. Yeah. Being an ugly duckling, also, you have that perspective of people really not fucking with you or liking you, even though they really didn't honestly have a reason not to, right? They didn't. And so I think in some ways you then learn to lead with personality and learn to lead with like conversation and having a point of view on things and being funny maybe or whatever versus it just being solely on look so then when that day comes where now people find you attractive it's like yeah that's cool but it's an added bonus now you're humble you're not cocky you don't use that um in a negative way to like to abuse power or privilege so then you end the guys at all and the women i'm like trying to think if we really ever like spoke about it explicitly in such a way i just know in passing when i've like talked with my teammates for the most part, it seemed like most of them were like, they were playing sports well before me in terms of basketball and were focused and had their friends. 
So it didn't seem like they had any real issues with like fitting in. It seemed like they mm. very like more early on, especially because they were in a sport and they were good at that sport, that they were able to kind of get that community. Versus me, it took me a little while to kind of find people that actually like me. And I still don't, for me, I think it was college where that actually happened for me. High school even, I only have, I literally want to say a hand, like I, a handful of friends that I still could say reach out to or speak to. Majority of my friends and people I communicate with, I've met college and after. Agreed. Same. I think I might have one close friend from high school but even in high school we weren't even really that close technically in my head in my yes. head I thought we were a lot closer but that's because I wanted somebody to be close with because I felt so alone yes but we're really close now but um I said to say I hear you do you feel like that chapter is like actually closed oh 100 percent hundred percent. I think there are times where I like think back on things and reflect and um, just kind of like reminisce and go through like the baggage of old feelings just for the kicks and giggles. But I definitely feel like now I think I think that phase of my life definitely laid the foundation for who I am today and uh, gave me a lot of strengths and a lot of weaknesses. And those weaknesses I'm still working on. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I feel like that chapter for me, sometimes, depending on what's going on, can be reopened based on the mm. social setting. So being very aware of like who I'm around um, and kind of like in rough back, going back to the beginning of this episode in relation to, you know, why aren't you sharing like your wins of like, are the people around me people I can share wins with? And I remember, um, you know, and then being able to quickly identify, oh, no, like it, it brings you back to being ugly duckling. And then I realized quickly, like, oh, get yourself out of that funk and get yourself away from this person and this energy. So a perfect example I'll give to our listeners is I bought my Tesla. I had done research for over a year on this car. I was obsessed watching YouTube videos all the damn time. And then finally had enough money to like to pull the trigger and actually buy the car. So this is now January of 2021. Yes. Wow. Time flies. Okay. Um, I'm like, damn, I had a car that long now. Okay. So yes, 2021. And then I got the car, like, because when you order a Tesla, it's like a good 30 to 60, sometimes even 90 day wait before you actually get the car like delivered to you. Right. So get the car at the end or middle of March. And for, it was like right before my friend's birthday at a winery. So asked my first ride in the car, my two um, homegirls, I had told them I had bought the car, but I had gotten it yet. And so when we walked up to it, it was like a surprise even to them. And they were very happy for me. So we're in the car, we're blasting music. We on Hot Girl Summer. This is when that song Best Friend was out. You know, my bestie and a Tessie. We just doing the most in the car. And we go to the winery, have a great time. And so one of the other young ladies there that I would say was somebody that I knew um, that I think wants to be friends, but more were like acquaintances more than anything. But she sees the car. And then later on during the day, when we all are now getting lunch after our friend's birthday at the winery, it's like, yeah, you know, like I could have gotten, a, I could have gotten a Tesla. I just didn't. Cause 
um, you know, X, Y, Z reasons. And, you know, I got this other car that I like better, but I could have got that car. And for me, it felt a little weird. Cause it's like, well, wow. One, I'm not actually boasting. I just am excited that I have a car. My other friend, mind you, was pulling up in his new car. Cause he had a new Jeep Wrangler that we loved and we was all taking photos. So everyone's just, you know, for the, for me and him, we had the new car, but Everyone is enjoying life. Our other friend is his birthday. It's whatever. Everyone is just good vibes. So for you to now come and say this felt strange. And then for me, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, this person is really trying to rain on your parade because they really keep trying to talk about how they could have had a Tesla, but they decided to buy this Hyundai. And it's like, all right, like that's not bad, but you could have kept that to yourself. So let me keep my distance from you because we're not in competition. And I don't want to, I don't want to do this with you. And so sometimes I feel like when you're around people that remind me of like high school or middle school, where they always want to one up you, that has been partly why I think I have kept a lot of wins to myself. Cause you're like, Oh, we're not going to go tit for tat because it's not a competition. You and I are not even on the same level. Why are we're not running the same race? None of us are running the same race. We're running our own. So it's just kind of like, why? But just trying to be aware of that. I think sometimes I can slip back into that. Even sometimes with dating, for me at least, to be quite honest, I will slip back into it. Like if I'm out with a group of my girls and every girl is getting play and I'm just, you know, the 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 friend that was left, it will bring me back to high school because I was mm. always the friend that never, that dudes didn't like and that it was always like, oh, you could be the homie. We could talk about basketball together because you tall as shit, so you must know about basketball. But like, we're not actually going to have a conversation where I would be interested in you romantically. So I have to sometimes even remember to pull myself out of that and be like, Rashida, that's in your head now. That's not what's actually happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is those like, Ashanti said it best, those scars are always going to be there. Right. And they're, they're always going to leave a mark on your skin. You can rub your finger on them and they essentially remind you of the past. So, but remember, they're just scars. There's no cut there anymore. Yeah. So you can just move smarter now. Mm-hmm. And like one of my last things is the only thing I wish I had a different experience with during my ugly duckling phase was because my self-esteem wasn't able to comprehend who was a healthy friend in my life. I feel like I didn't have a really good friend until I went to college. And because I didn't experience true friendship and intimacy platonically, I definitely into adulthood was a poor friend to some people because I didn't know what a good friend looked like. Like people say like, you all know what good and bad is, right? But like, if you don't really experience something you don't really know what it looks like for yourself and you don't know what, how you're supposed to move in that situation too. So I wish that was the only thing, like I wish I just had just like, or been able to find someone or connect with someone who was an actual true friend to me. Yeah, no, you, that's well said, well said. Um, because it is, you're right. Like you don't know. And I think being a friend, no one teaches you that. Just like being in a relationship, being like an actual a good romantic partner no one really teaches you so it's like trial and error and I'm sure it's like being vulnerable and like realizing that people really want to know things about you or support you can be 
maybe strange because you're like, well, I didn't experience this in high school or middle school. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening who I, uh, you considered me a close friend in high school or middle school. I'm just going to be put it out there. Um, in uh, hindsight, I don't feel like our friendship was equally yoked. Um, but if you want to foster a friendship now, perhaps we can like talk about it and uh, see where it fits. Yeah, I will tell you, I've run into people from high school that seem like they wanted us to like be more, like better. And then my, I'm kind of like, I'm good. Like I don't have beef, but I'm just like, um, mm, we're not doing this. Right. You know, I, I tell you that I did have one good friend in high school, but then he moved and then he came back. And I felt like when he came back, I don't know, it was just the vibe was, wasn't the same. But when he was there, he was good. Okay. I'll say, I ain't, ain't going to discredit him like that. But yeah. Okay. He's like, ooh, ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Ugly Ducklings podcast. Let us know what you think about your own experiences as an ugly duckling. Hit us up on Gmail, you know, uglyducklingspod at gmail.com. And, you know, if not, hit us up on Instagram. We'd love to hear some other topics you think you'd love us to cover this season. Um, I think we're a little over the halfway mark now. So we don't got that many episodes left, y'all. Hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking, how you're feeling. And we look forward to chatting with y'all. And we'll see y'all next week. Peace out. Later.